0: Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the
1: elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Greg McCune today. Greg McCune is the New York Times bestselling author of Essentialism and his new book Effortless is coming out very very soon so really excited to sit down with this prolific author this prolific thinker prolific communicator and speaker and you know such an amazing individual and anybody, anybody who has read the book Essentialism knows that it is a game changer and you'll recognize that many of the highest performing people across the world they know how to say no better or more than saying yes right they they say no more then they say yes, because they know what their purpose is. They know what they are looking to accomplish. They know what their unique genius is, and it allows them to only focus on the essential. And I know that we're going to take it to another level today, even beyond that, because the, the newest book that Greg's coming out with is Effortless. And my goodness, what, a, what an inviting title. If you think about it in today's day and age, the, the complexity that we all you know perceive the world to have. Uh, You know, effortless sounds like a really interesting endeavor. And how can we make everything that we're doing more effortless? How can we reach our goals in a more effortless capacity? How can we live a life of fulfillment, live a life of purpose and, you know, leave a legacy in an effortless capacity? How exciting does that sound? And so we're really uh, we're really going to dive deep on this today, and I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with Greg McCune. And I want to ask you the question that I always ask: Are you ready to take it to another level? I have no doubt we're going to be doing that today. I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind-expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. This is for leaders, entrepreneurs, and real estate investors who have a burning desire for the extraordinary. And of course, it is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally uh, to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And of course, it is about the application, right? It's about identifying, like, let's draw out that genius. But most importantly, let's apply, right? So that's our mission. So this is the community we can identify. And we can also apply to our own lives, to our own businesses, what makes the most sense for us, right? Because it is about application. It's also about course correction as well. So be looking for those opportunities to apply. What can you do to listen today and actually go out there and improve the way that you act, improve the way that you communicate, improve the way that you make decisions? And that's how you're gonna get the most value from Elevate Podcast. We will, of course, distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, the tools, the systems, the strategies, and so much more from Greg McCune so that you can elevate your life to the next level so that you can elevate to the life to a life without limits right because that's what it's all about and uh, the only limits that we have are what we place on ourselves in our mind and i hope i hope that the more that you listen to this podcast you start to recognize that we have a story going on in there is it limiting us or is it empowering us and of course there's so many tools there's so many different tools that we can apply towards strategy right towards strategy of living a life of abundance of living a life you know of limitless capacity and all of those strategies are out there so model success because as tony robbins says success leaves clues this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through personal growth personal mastery real estate investing other business ventures most importantly and ultimately in their lives if you're enjoying the show, um, thank you, first of all, for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We invite you to subscribe to the show, give us a rating and a review. It's extremely helpful for us, and it's something that our team deeply appreciates. And um, you know, at the end of the day, it helps us rank better in terms of uh, the algorithms that are out there on whatever podcast platform you're listening to so that we can reach a larger audience so that we can attract uh, guests like Greg McCune. And so we definitely appreciate you rating, subscribing. And sharing with a friend, if you uh, if this is your first time listening, the fee towards listening to Elevate Podcast is literally only to share this with someone else. Pay it forward, and let them know that hey, you know, you might you might actually see some opportunity to expand to elevate by listening to Elevate Podcast. So pay it forward, share this with one person. If you want to share it with your network on social media, we invite you to do so as well. And uh, with all that said, I'd love to dive in here and introduce you to Greg McCune who has dedicated his career to discovering why people and teams break through to the next level and others don't. And you know, this is the perfect person to have this conversation with today. The definitive treatment of this issue is addressed in McCune's New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, as well as frequently being the number one time management book on Amazon, this book challenges core assumptions about cheap achievement to get to the essence of what really drives success. McCune is the CEO of McCune Inc. Clients include Adobe, Apple, Google, Facebook, Pixar, Salesforce.com, Semantic, Twitter, VMware, and Yahoo. His writing has appeared or has been covered by the New York Times, Fast Company, Fortune, HuffPost, Political, and Inc. Magazine. He is among the most popular bloggers for the Harvard Business Review and LinkedIn's influencers group, averaging a million views a month. McCune has been interviewed on numerous television and radio shows, including NPR, NBC, Fox, and as a regular guest on the Steve Harvey show. Entrepreneur voted his interview at Stanford University the number one best, or sorry, the number one must-see video on business creativity and success. And of course, Essentialism was voted by Goodread as the number one leadership and success book to read in a lifetime. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, so much more. I mean, he's an accomplished public speaker. He's spoken to hundreds of audiences around the world, including Australia, Bulgaria, Canada, China, England, India, Ireland, Italy, Japan, Singapore. I mean, you get the picture. This is an individual who is a a big-time contributor in many different capacities. So we're blessed and grateful to have the opportunity to speak with Greg McCune today. So I invite you to enjoy this amazing podcast discussion with the one and only Greg McCune. Greg, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? It's great to be with you, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure and I, I've got to, you know, make a quick plug to the audience because I'm really excited about, you know, not only having you on the show, but I've got to encourage the audience to go subscribe to the What's Essential podcast right now uh, before we dive into this conversation because, you know, first of all, we're sitting down together and I just appreciate you. I appreciate your work, but I wanted to encourage the audience to do that because there's a way for, for the audience to not only get an introductory of you if maybe they're not familiar with you, but they can go dive deeper not only into your work, into your mind, but you know it's right there on the podcast app. So I wanted to just start with that. But, but Greg, I just want to welcome you to the show. And um, if you have an opportunity to share a little bit more about yourself sort of behind the public image, behind the bio, all that stuff, that would be great if you don't mind. Oh, that was so nice of you, Tyler.
0: Thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure doing the What's Essential podcast. And one of the reasons I've liked it is for what your first question is, which is people have got a chance to uh, to see a little more. Uh, the very first episode, in fact, was with my wife, Anna, um, and about the story behind essentialism, like the birth of essentialism, from her point of view, because, um, you, you know, the the one of the key points at which I came to essentialism was uh, in a, a failed moment, moment of failure, where I had got an email from my... Um, My manager at the time said, look, Friday between one and two would be a very bad time for your wife to have a baby, Um, you know, and uh, there we were Friday morning. Uh, We're in the hospital. Our daughter's been born in the early hours. And instead of being focused on the most essential thing, the priority, uh, I was, yeah, still had my phone out. I still got my laptop out. I'm trying to keep everybody happy and I'm trying to do it all. And so I went to the meeting and afterwards even... I remember my manager saying, Look, the client will respect you for the choice you just made. And the look on their faces didn't evince that sort of respect. Uh, but even if they had, it was clear to me and is now in hindsight that I'd made a fool's bargain. Um, and what I learned from that was if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. But what's interesting with the podcast, as a little hesitant to even do it in a sense, was that we just had this sort of almost live conversation with my wife's point of view about that experience, what it was like for her, what she learned, what, you know, what she felt about all of this. And, and so, um, you know, this is, this is one of the reasons I think podcasting is such an amazing medium is because you can really have these conversations and it's now typical that it happens that people will reach out and say, uh, we'll talk to me about something. Oh yes. How's this going? How's that going? And I, I find it's, it's like, how do you even know about that? Um, and it's, of course, because they're listening to these conversations and they feel very private. But, of course, everyone is part of it. So. So anyway, that's uh, that's 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 part of the story behind the story.
1: Yeah, and I love that too. And it, it's important for people to be able to connect with those type of stories. And I know that I can relate in so many ways. I mean, I haven't been in that exact circumstance, but you know, we always, in many ways, and certainly modern society, and and the more success you experience professionally, you know, the more that you're kind of lured into this trap, right? This trap Mm -hmm. of non-essentialism in many ways, right? And, And it's interesting because I would imagine that many of our listeners can relate to the feeling of, well, you know, I've got a really important life event going on, but I've also got important things that are going on in my business. And I've also got other, you know, other desires and things that I've been told by society that I should be looking to accomplish as well. And you're pulled in seven directions at one time. And so almost that moment, you know, that you experienced, you know, going back, obviously it's, it's, I would imagine at, in some ways it was a kind of a painful memory, but also it it created this path for you to really dive into, well, how can I create these priorities? How can I, you know, develop my own values hierarchy, so to speak, and, you know, start saying no to things, right? Is that, if you reflect back on that moment, is that sort of the gift in that?
0: Yes, I think, I think that is true. Um, And, and it's an ongoing process. Um, The, the, the challenge I was just on a walk with Anna this morning, and one of the things that she was talking about, she's giving a presentation on essentialism. And she was, um, she was really trying to sort of express why she thinks people get pulled into non-essentialism. And she says for a lot of people, and she is her opinion, you know, maybe, maybe particularly women uh, get pulled into it because of fear. Uh, it's it's just a fear of missing out of FOMO, but there's many other kinds of fear, a fear that if I don't do this thing, my child will not have the opportunity that they, that we want for them and we want their lives to be exceptional too. But I think she has a great point, And I think that, you know, fear, can drive even successful people. In fact, for sure, fear can drive otherwise successful people because they have something to lose. And the more you have to lose, the, the greater the fear can be, in fact. And so I, I think it's, it, it is interesting to try and think about not just how to become successful, which, I mean, there's a lot that's written about that. There's a lot that's been studied, but what to do once you are. And essentialism is really specifically written for what, to, for what you, you need to do once you are successful.
1: Yeah. And it's almost like one of those things too, where, you know, it can allow you to reach greater levels of success. It's almost like, you know, you think of a rose bush. I always think of this you think of a rose bush. And if you want a rose bush to grow and be more, you know, fruitful, for lack of a better term, you prune, right? You go out there and you cut, you know, off the dead buds, right? And it allows and it gives it more space to grow and perhaps to step into more of your zone of genius, right? What are you designed and destined to do? But it really resonates to me, you talking about fear, right? Because, you know, sometimes you find yourself or if you check in with it, or I know I do myself, I check in with, Hey, I'm really busy and I'm doing a lot of things. And the question is, is that busy, you know, inadvertent or, you know, non thought out action or indiscriminate action and lazy thinking, or have I really thought through what are, what are the action steps I'm taking? So I think that really resonates with me and thinking mm-hmm. about, well, wait a minute, have I really thought about if I give myself some space maybe I'll experience some fear, but perhaps I can step into the greater destiny that I have. So anyway, but Greg, I really appreciate that. And, and I actually wanted to believe it or not, I wanted to go through a couple tweets that you had put out recently. And one of which is actually pinned to your, to your Twitter uh, profile. And mm. I loved this. You said, burnout is not a badge of honor. Mm. And um, you know, what do you mean by that? I, it really struck me, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts behind that, that statement.
0: Uh, That's it. That's really great question. Um, the, you know, I've given you sort of a story here in this conversation about the birth of essentialism. And and this is a little weird because in a way that what you just asked is about the birth of what I've been doing since writing essentialism. So essentialism has, has become a bit of a, a movement um, globally. And, and, and of course there's lots of work left. It's been this amazing experience. It, it changed everything for me personally. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, once this came out, it was like a blur, um, traveling all over, speaking at events, it went to one event, just literally 300 people around the, uh, the, you know, the, the, you know, the shop, they sell out the books, never happened before. You know, that was sort of, that was life. And and in addition to being, whatever, the father of essentialism, um, I was also by this point, the father of four children. Mm. And so I am being more selective at this point than I have ever been. Right. And that's like the core of essentialism is to be selective and thoughtful to do less, but better. And I was trying to apply that. Uh, it, but... I still found myself still with a problem, and um, I, in fact, I one one time when I was traveling, uh, working with these entrepreneurs, and, and someone brings up, and you've heard it, and everybody listening, I'm sure has heard it as well, the uh, the, the the big rocks theory, right? You know what yes. you're talking about, right? You you already know, don't you? tell me what it is just so that I'm not monologuing. Yeah. Right
1: so it's, so I'm, I'm, I'm picturing in my mind a jar, right. And yep. I've got, I've got materials to the left of the jar. You've got a big rock, you've got pebbles and you've got sand, right. So, right. uh, and you know, the only way you're going to fit all those in is if you put the big rocks in first and let the pebbles and the sand fill the small spaces around it. But if you do it backwards, you're not going to be able to fit in all the materials.
0: You, you nailed it. It's exactly what it is. And, and as they, I was talking with these entrepreneurs, I'm, in, I'm traveling, I, I just start to think, yeah, but what happens if you have too many big rocks? Like the metaphor only goes so far. What happens if your priority, primary responsibilities are themselves too much? They don't fit in the jar. What do you do then? Mm-hmm. And as I'm having this thought traveling, uh, you know, I get a call from my son, but he's on my wife's phone, which definitely got my attention. He doesn't normally do that. Um, and he, it's a video conference and he looks panicked. He's this white face, uh, you know, just pale face, I should say. And he's, he's, uh, and he's trying to explain something, you know, yeah, Eve, she was eating then something happened and, and, and I can hear my why just, you know, turn the phone around so he can see what's happening. And what is happening is that my, uh, one of my daughters, Eve, is having a massive um, uh, clonic seizure. Mm. and uh, and And so suddenly I'm in this situation where I'm already being highly selective, already feeling like there are too many rocks, big rocks, important things that matter, that I want to do. But I also now have this, Significant challenge, you know. This crisis, really. Um, I won't get into all of the backstory to this, but but what what was what was happening there was the beginning of a, a massive discombobulation of her uh, of her capabilities. It wasn't like just a one-off thing, or a, uh, it was the you know effectively the loss of uh, of, of personality, of, uh, of temperament, and and no diagnosis whatsoever. So. <sighs> I am now being tested beyond my previous understanding in a whole series of ways. And I came out of this with a, first of all, an awareness like, wow, I mean, like what got you here isn't going to get you there. Mm. Like that you're going to have to learn something new, a whole new way of operating because you still want to make a bigger contribution in life. You still want, but you are way beyond Capacity, even said to my wife at one point, you know, like, I, I, you know, and I didn't want to say this, right? I'm the, I'm the, you know, I wrote essentialism. I don't want to have to say, which I did. Look, Anna, I, I I'm not well. Mm. Yeah, it's just all so much too much. And what I learned from that experience really was this, which is that I was doing the right things, um, but doing them in the wrong way. Right? I'm like, I was like a. Um, um, Weightlifters who's lifting you know with my back i i'm I'm like a a baker trying to knead all of the uh you know the dough by hand instead of by a machine or something like that 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 matters essentialism uh is about doing the right things figuring those few vital few essential important critical things this new approach i just am calling effortless it's a name of of, of, i managed to codify this whole experience in this, what I've learned in a new book called Effortless, you know, essentialism is about the right things, effortless about doing them in the right way. And and I just feel like there's so, so, something so relevant about this now. I actually got quite emotional thinking about it. Um, one, because of where it grew from and the experiences that led to it, but also because given what has happened since beginning this book, I and mean, I was writing this book before pandemic, before COVID, before anything, but what's happened since then is that everyone is effectively majority, vast majority of people, maybe 85% of people are in a similar position as I was, which is they're just feeling there's just too much responsibility. They, these are things that all matter, but I've got family at home now. I've been trying to work from home now. I've got pivoting that's needed to happen in the business. There's all these things. And I've spent a year trying to deal with it in the way I used to deal with it. So I'm using up deep reserves. And so we've come to this point, and and this is who the book is really to, is to high performers who are on the edge of exhaustion. And and, and I think that a lot of people watching or listening to this, um, given your audience, know exactly what I'm talking about.
1: Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital. It's a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I wanna invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook, That's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I wanna tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I wanna invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're gonna get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. And it's, it's really, really important. And, you know, it really resonates with me. I was actually thinking, in particular, personally, I was thinking about my goals for this year, right? I'm mm-hmm. thinking about the initiatives that I've set for myself. And, you know, I'm a very goal oriented person. I'm a very driven individual. And I like to surround myself with others who are similarly, who are you know, setting themselves on a path to create something in their life of meaning, right? Of, mm-hmm. of relevance and, you know, let's, I was talking to somebody yesterday and we were talking about, you know, think about on the tombstone and it says, yeah. you know, the, the year you were born and the right. year you died and then there's right. a dash in the middle right. of it, right? And so you think about, well, what's the dash? What do we want that dash to really be all about? And, you know, I think about goals and I, you know, I've spoken to some of the, the world's top neuroscientists and, you know, peak performance, you know, experts. And it is about goals. It is about setting directives. It is about being clear on what's your purpose, what's your mission And what would you like to transform, not only about yourself, but about other people around you? What are you most passionate about? And so, you know, this does resonate with me very deeply. And I know it will for many of our listeners thinking about too many initiatives, right? Because you get inspired and you think of, well, you know, we're multifaceted. We are multifaceted. We're not just one dimensional. So, but there's a paradox, right? There's a point where you reach perhaps too much. So let's talk about that. I mean, Is there a point where you reach too much in terms of goals or what have you found through your own sort of internal research, you know, through your own experience and otherwise? I mean, is there anything that you'd say um, to that?
0: Yeah I mean first of all yes you want to do less but better I mean that's sort of still phase 1 I still think that's the beginning that's essentialism it's a disciplined pursuit of less but better versus the undisciplined pursuit of more there's always more you've got to be careful that that is not your not your your god your guiding factor just more and more and more and more I mean that 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 there's got to be something wiser more centered than that success is a very poor teacher said bill gates right like he he knows what he's talking about that you can't let success itself guide you you need to get back to what is essential to, to to those few things that are most important i mean i still believe all of that and there's then phase two which says if i have curated the right list. If I am confident that the things that I am pursuing are now the right ones, but it still feels like too much, which I think most working parents, for one example, feel right now on uh, mass. I mean, that's like, as I said, 85% according to a large survey recently done uh, published the uh, Business Review suggests that they feel their well-being is 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 worse than it was one year ago. I mean, that's just one one tiny data point. Um, so, so or I'll give another data point is that, is that uh, only 9% of people in Britain, according to your YouGov poll, want life to go back to how it was before. So while they don't want this, they don't want that either. They want to move forward to something new and something different. So if you put all of that together, it says don't just be highly selective. Do that first. Be an essentialist. But now you've got to find an effortless way of living. And that that's not just a nice to have, it's an absolute it's a survival technique in order to be able to thrive in a world that's full of unexpected challenges uh, and, 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 you know, and what you can do about this. So, so I think that, I mean, maybe one of the things I would say to you is maybe just turning this around for a second is, is to ask, well, what is something in your world that is hard for you, uh, it, you know, it's 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 really important, um, but you wish was effortless.
1: You know, it's a it's a great question. I think um, I think every day is a challenge in, in in many ways, and in some ways. And I'll also just say back that you know, I think that those challenges that do feel like you're putting t- forth ton of effort that become effortless later through repetition and that you know is very rewarding and so I'll, I'll say that but what would i like to be more effortless you know these days i mean you know or, yeah let's let's start there um, you know i would probably say you know in terms of the real estate market i'll say that cuz we're we're multifamily real estate investors and we invest in properties across our region and I will say that it's challenging to compete um, in the current marketplace just due to a bunch of different dynamics. So that's one thing that I would say personally, and obviously that's somewhat external, but how do we get a competitive edge on top of our existing strategy would probably be the first okay. thing.
0: Let, let, let's get that to some specificity. Like yeah. what, what is the goal you have? You know, there's some gap you're describing. Mm-hmm. You want something to be easier. To, so, what does done look like for you?
1: Yeah, our our goal is to make one acquisition every quarter. And so, uh, does that does that make sense? I think
0: so. And and is what you're saying it is it that in the past you are hitting that goal, but it's just harder than you want it to be, or is it that it's really hard and you're not hitting the goal?
1: Yeah, we've hit it in the past and currently we've been, you know, we've been outbid on many deals recently and there's been a lot of competition. So I know a lot of the listeners will be nodding their head mm-hmm. and have similar experiences. So this will be really useful. But yeah, I think recently it's just been more competitive uh, because investors who invested in different asset classes pre-COVID, pre-pandemic who have said, you know what, retail, office, I can't see this making a <laughs> ton of sense anymore. So let's take our capital and put it into a more safe haven and apartments, multifamily, of course, industrial as well has been asset classes that have received a lot of that attention. And those prices have you know, gone up, those yields have have diminished. And so it's made it more challenging for us to make deals work as well as be awarded opportunities. So does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. What is your um, so so? Are you I assume that you're in like enterprise purchases. You're not talking about a residential purchase, so correct?
1: So yeah, apartment communities. Um, apartment so communities. multifamily okay. apartment complexes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and the thing that's making
0: it hardest for you right now is is just this highly competitive market. I was just talking to a realtor in in um, in Arizona, and they were saying that. There are fewer houses on the market right now than they have ever seen, you know, in literally 30 years. There's just not the, just they're going instantly. The price is going up and up and up. It is feeling a bit bubbly, I, you know, you know mm-hmm. I think to those paying attention, right? But it means that you're in this hyper-competitive space is what you're describing. Is that That's right?
1: That's right. That's right. Yep.
0: And, and so just give me a second, like, why does this matter so much to you?
1: You know it matters because you know if you think about the um, the macro environment that we live in, you look at you look at capital being uh, created and injected into economies all over the world to a higher degree than they ever have been, and you think about financial safety for people. And of course, our company, you know, we raise private capital and we partner with investors to protect and grow their wealth so that they can use this vehicle as a practical vehicle towards doing more in their life and making more of their life, talking about that dash, right? And so, you know, for us to partner and and make these type of acquisitions gives people a greater capacity towards making everything they can within their life, right? So they can have more stability in their income, they can have cash flow, they can build wealth, and they don't have to worry about something like the stock market, which you never know. I mean, on a whim, it could be up 30% or it could be down, 30%. 30%. And, and so um, does that make sense, Greg? Yeah. What,
0: what I think I heard you say is that you feel a responsibility to your, to, to the people you represent uh, that, that you you go, look, I, I want to deliver value for you. Yes. I want to, I want to, you know, I'm looking for stability in my income too. I'm looking for getting to the next level in my own uh, financial uh, pursuits and and goals. But I also feel this fiduciary responsibility to you to deliver Great value for your trust in giving me, you know, in giving
1: these funds to me. That's so true. That's perfect.
0: What is um, what is your current process for discovering the uh, these how these these sort of larger housing, rental housing apartment complexes? What's the process for discovering? something that's, that's for sale?
1: Sure. Yeah. We, um, you know, it's funny because we look at nearly a hundred deals before one makes sense. And um, we've got uh, different brokers and different markets that are our target markets that typically will bring us opportunities, whether they are on or off market. And so we've got a deal flow sort of pipeline that we Uh, we communicate with our brokers on a very consistent basis. And in fact, like last week, we had like 15 new deals that we started underwriting. And so once those deals come to us, we work with our analysts and our underwriting team and we decipher all of the details and myself and my business partner start making decisions. And we say, hey, we're gonna go tour this property. Are we going to go tour the comps? Are we going to dig into this opportunity? And then we'll take it to the next level and say, hey, we like this or we don't like this. It's basically a yes or no. And here's where we like it. And when we like it, we make an offer and we start negotiating. So, uh, whether we're competing or not, you know, more times than not recently, we've been competing to a very high degree. So that's, what's been going on for us.
0: Mm -hmm. It's to me, this is, it's, it's interesting and it's a good, it's a good, just, let me just pause for a second. And typically when people are trying to get to the next level of success, what they want to do, what they think they need to do is, well, we've got to work harder. We've, got, we've just got to work harder. We've got to work smarter. Um, well, particularly, you know, like we've got to we got to out execute the competition uh, and, and, in fact, I was just talking to, to one of, an owner in the NFL and he said that, uh, I, I asked him, I said, I said, of all the times you've tried to improve results, how often have you tried to get them to improve results by uh, you know, by, by saying, hey, listen, let's work harder together. And how often have you said, how can we make this easier? And he literally just, there was a big pause and he's like, no, listen, Greg, this is 100% the first. I, I know I never hear hear anyone say the second, I never think the second, I never say the second, it's just always hustle is the way to get to the next level. And of course, there is something to be said for hustling to getting to the next level. That is true. But I wonder, you know, if we could just ask this question, like, how can we make it much easier? Like that's a that I'm going to like literally put that question to you, not how can you work a little harder so you can get the deal that the other person didn't because you just did the one more phone call. You just hustled harder. Is there an is there an what is the easiest possible way for you to find and secure a great rental complex once a quarter? What's the easiest way to do that?
1: Well, first of all, I think that this this concept resonates with me, and it's been one that we've really um, we've really focused on too. Is like not being so wound up, not being not wound so tight, and saying, "Well, wait a minute, this all isn't working. So, how can we just stack five more you know strategies on top of our you mm. know our our additional strategies?" So, mm-hmm. it's something that really resonates with me, and you know, saying that, "Hey, success doesn't have to be so hard, and that trying harder doesn't always get us closer to what we want." So you know i think that is more from from my vantage point and you tell me what your what your thoughts are my vantage point is it is a little bit of an energetic you know projection it's a little bit of a vibration it's a little bit of a frequency that we emit And so for me, it's less so, Hey, what can I do to focus on myself? But it's more so how can I add more value to other people, whether that's just being present. And when I have a conversation, it's building that true relationship and not attaching any desire or extreme need for that to deliver for me, but just saying, Hey, you know, what can I do to just give to someone else? So for me, that's how it resonates for me. But what would you say to that, Greg?
0: Well, I mean, I, First of all, I love what you're saying. That To, to me, this, this alternative way of living and working, this effortless uh, approach really has three parts to it. There's the effortless state uh, that helps to achieve effortless action, which helps to achieve effortless results. Those are like three concentric circles. You start with the effortless state as opposed to what are some of the other states you can find yourself in in the real estate industry, right? I mean, there's two really big ones, right? One is fear and the other is greed. You know, you can definitely get into a fearful state, the fear of missing out. Somebody else got the deal. I have to get that deal right now. And if I didn't, you know, a sense of like, there's no other opportunity. Uh, and, and then on the other side, the, the greed is so prevalent in, in, in many industries, but we all live through the real estate bubble. And and that's not a neither of those are optimal states to be in to actually get great results. Uh, they're, they're, they're both a good way to 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 over invest, to overstrain, uh, and then that leads to this overexertion, uh, where you're doing too much and you're running so fast you can hardly think. And and so this idea of inversion, instead of How can I work harder to get it? How can I hustle to do it? The principle is to invert, always invert. So instead of saying, how can I push myself to get this result? You say, look, is is there an easy path? Is there an easier way to achieve this? While everyone else is rushing over here, maybe there's a whole different approach. You know, we don't want to be in a situation where achieving our task is like pushing the boulder up the hill. What we want to do is look for a way to push a boulder down the hill. Uh, I'm thinking like Warren Buffett who says, I'm not looking for seven foot uh, bars to jump over. I'm looking for one foot bars I can step over. That's the most successful investor in in modern history saying that his, this is also his phrase, he says his investment strategy borders on lethargy when he met with Bill Gates and Bill Gates was, you know, just packed, his schedule packed, Warren Buffett shows him his hand, pulls out his, his, well, uh, paper calendar, and it says, he uh, shows him his, like, what his plan is for the week. There's only one appointment, and it was to get his hair cut. <laughs> uh, that's the whole thing. What is it that Warren Buffett understands about how to become highly successful that maybe, The rest of us haven't figured out yet what he's inverting, always invert, see it from this different perspective. So when you fight faced with a highly competitive situation, don't ask, how do I just, you know, work even harder against my competitors? It's like, is there an easier way? What's the easy path? What's the effortless way to achieve the result I want? You can still go after the result that you want, the thing that you feel is essential, but what if there's a different way of doing it? Uh, I'll give you just an example. It's outside of the real estate industry, but it illustrates the point. At Southwest Airlines, uh, when they were first starting off, by the way, right? Southwest Airlines is a company that gives you the you know, largest return on your investment over a thirty-year period uh, from 2000, 1972 to two thousand uh, to two thousand two. If you'd put a dollar in it, all the companies in the S and P five hundred. Southwest would have given you the biggest return on investment, which is an unbelievable thing. That's more than Apple, or, or Microsoft, or, or, or uh, uh, Google, of course, but 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 also Exxon and, and and McDonald's and all of these other. So, how did they approach decision making along the way? Well, they were certainly essentialist about it, highly selective, highly strategic. But also, there's this great uh, story I came over in in, in researching this that. Uh, that when they were trying to work out at the time, all the other airlines used a particular ticketing system and they had to choose whether to spend the $2 million installing that system just like everybody else had, uh, or to have, you know, confusion in their processes they currently have. And as they're leaning towards it, like, well, do we spend the $2 million? It's a lot of money for a low cost carrier with young company, or do we, you know, We just take the hit. And finally, they just said, you know what? Do we care what Continental says a ticket is? And they're like, no, we do not care about what they think it is. We don't have to do it the way the competitor is doing it. And what they came up with is that they would just print, this is your ticket on your receipt when you you came to the airport. That was their solution. They saved $2 million, which maybe that sounds a lot. Maybe it doesn't, but it's an illustration of invert, always invert, ask this question. It's like magic, seriously. Mm. You figure out what's essential, what's the most important thing I need to do today, what's the priority, and what's the easiest possible way to do it. When you're faced with complexity, when you're faced with something overwhelming, when you're, uh, you, you know, there's, um, uh, when when you're, I'll give you an example. Um no, actually, I'll pause. I feel like I'm I'm absolutely just like monologuing now. But uh, but I, I feel like whatever the situation you're in, when you're trying too hard, when you're procrastinating something, I'll give you a small, silly example. Uh, I had a... a when, I was, when I was writing about this, I was looking around my... I was discovering it, really. I was looking around my office, and there was this printer that, that had been sitting there for two weeks. We'd replaced a printer at home, and every time i looked at it it's a hassle i don't and i'm like i gotta get rid of that but where do i take it do i send it to a you know do i have to take it to like a special place so they can you know because it's, it's tech and i don't want to throw that away obviously that's not responsible and or do i sell it i don't know where to sell it i don't know how much and that's and it was enough that all happened in like five seconds in my head it was enough every time i saw it i was like okay i'm not going to deal with that right it was too it was just enough overwhelming that i just wanted to move to something else and then i asked that question in that moment what's the easiest way to do it and and as soon as i asked the question i look up and there's some workers outside and um uh and i thought well i wonder if they want it and so i I literally walk outside say hey listen i got a printer would you like it yes walk inside i pick it up i give it to him within two minutes of asking the question the problem wasn't just solved intellectually it was actually executed wow and so I, i i just put this question out there it sounds so small so tiny so incremental it's just it's But it's a total game changer. It's the closest thing I've ever found in terms of going from successful to very successful. The closest thing I've ever found to magic. (laughs) You ask the question, suddenly your brain is searching for something that none of your competitors are focused on because they're just trying to do more of the existing strategy. Your job is to ask, what's the easiest way to do this? And the easiest way is almost certainly not to just compete harder with
1: them. That's extremely powerful. And, you know, it really resonates with me because I've learned that at any moment in time, our brain is processing millions of pieces of information. And that's why, going back to the earlier part of the conversation, we we're talking about rocks or objectives or roles or whatever you want to call it. You know, the mechanism about getting clear on what you're looking to accomplish gives your mind or the reticular activating system an opportunity to find opportunities to leverage in your environment or to take action in your environment. And this 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 question, which is a very powerful question. So thank you for blessing us with this understanding, this simplicity, which is ultimately the most ultimate sophistication that you can really step into. So I really appreciate that. And you think about, you know, this powerful question can give you powerful opportunities to create better results. And it can give you the clarity to see what's available in your environment. Like the simple example you used with with Southwest Airlines is a great reminder because sometimes it's right right in front of us. And the same thing with your printer. It's like the person is right there. That person wants what you have. So it gives you the opportunity to find the answers just by asking yourself that question. Is that what you're saying, Greg?
0: Yes, it is and and, and what what I, I that makes me think of as you as you go through that is this the dominant assumption that if something is valuable, it has to be hard. That Dominant assumption means that as successful people who want to become very successful, you also assume, well, the answer is therefore to work very hard. If I'm successful working hard, I need to work very hard in order to become very successful. The logic is pretty sound, other than it isn't how it works at all. So, As you move beyond effortless state, as you come back into this more centered place, which I think that question can help you do, you also then have to discover a sort of an effortless way of doing. And and so what I want to make clear about this is that effort and motivation, yes, those are good in the early stages, but they are also very limited. You can only work so hard. And when you try to go beyond a certain level of working hard, it starts to be counterproductive. So you know we we could say um, that 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 something is you know diminishing returns. If you work six hours in a day on the things that matter, okay, that's going to give you a certain result. If you work ten hours. Well, you might get a little more value. You know, there's there's some extra thing, an extra little deal, an extra thing could come, something could work. If you work 20 hours, you're not just going to be in diminishing returns, right? Diminishing returns is where every increment of effort gives you less value, additional value than the last increment of effort. But there's also a place where you go beyond diminishing returns and you are actually in negative returns. And this is a real risk factor, a red flag for people who want to become successful at success. If you find yourself in negative returns, what's happening is that every increment of effort you put in now, you are getting less of your total result. You are actually going to get less results than if you stopped. So when you ever get into negative returns, you better stop right then <laughs> because every ounce after that, you are going to reduce your overall effectiveness. You're going to make bad investment decisions. You're going to burn out relationships. You're going to start misreading cues from potential customers or internal staff and so on. And so this problem of overexertion, the, the, the great thing here, there's a piece of good news, which is that if you can become aware of overexertion, then simply by doing less, putting in less work, less efforts, we can talk about specific ways to do that, uh, you will get a better result than somebody else. And so I, I think this is an important, you know, as I say, an important red flag, a moment, a key uh, to be able to, to, to catch yourself and come back to center where you'll actually get, you know, more action done by, by not trying so hard.
1: I I totally agree. And you think about, you know, how effective you are when you work 20 hours a day. I mean, obviously, it's very unlikely that anyone listening is working 20 hours a day, but you get the point, I guess, where, where, you know, Greg is going with this. And, um, you know, one thing I think is really interesting is when you think about work and 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 striving forward and a lot of times we're thinking about results in the now or outcomes that we're looking to accomplish but sometimes we don't think about what we're actually becoming as a result as well in the moment and through that process and actually, and, and this is a little bit of a switch gear in terms of what we've been talking about, but mm-hmm. I actually was really interested to ask you about this as well, because you actually tweeted this as well. And I, I, n- I normally do not prepare for podcasts <laughs> just by going through a, a, a tweet storm or what have yeah, you, but I found but this. you liked be, it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And if you really think about this, you, you wrote, don't learn to do, but do to learn. And that was just another simple way that I saw that you have flipped a very simple idea and made it very profound. So could you expand upon that and what you meant by that?
0: Yeah, I can. And I'm going to do something that's like unusual, but if, if you don't mind, I want to read something to you. Can please,
1: I please, please.
0: So, um, so this is, this is a story that I came across that I just love so much. Um, and and it's, it just fits directly with that quote, but it's also also true for this idea of effortless action uh, and, and it's, it's, it's just, this is. It. It's, it, 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 in 1959, a British industrialist named Henry Kramer had a dream of a future where human-powered flight was possible for the masses. Determined to do anything he could to make that dream a reality, he launched the Kramer Prize generous rewards meant to incentivize designers to build aircraft that could be powered entirely by a single person. One prize for $50,000 would go to the first person to create an aircraft that could fly a figure eight around two pylons, uh, half a mile apart. Another prize for $100,000 was also offered for the first team to fly an aircraft across the English Channel. Given the aeronautical achievements of the time, constructing what amounted to a workable flying bicycle seemed like a realistic challenge to him. It was after all a full century after Orville Wright had made his flight south of Kitty Hawk in North Carolina and 40 years since the first nonstop transatlantic flight, a full decade before Chuck Yeager had broken the sound barrier. And just a decade later, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin would walk on the moon but however doable the challenge might have seemed many talented teams tried and failed for over 17 years Enter Paul McCready saddled with a huge debt at the time he didn't have a team at all save for friends and family including his young son whom he enlisted in his test pilot meanwhile his competitors were all well staffed and well funded and built big complex elegant airplanes with large span wings, many wooden ribs, and metal and plastic casings. Yet these teams didn't come close to achieving the prize. At first, McCready couldn't figure out why. Then it hit him. Everyone had been working to solve the wrong problem. Mm. Um, The real challenge wasn't, I just love this, wasn't to build an elegant aircraft that could do the figure eights on the field around the two pylons. It was to build a large, light aircraft, no matter how ugly it is, that you could crash, then repair, modify, alter redesign fast. That was when he suddenly realized there is an easy way to do this. <laughs> so McCready and his son immediately got to work on a model inspired by one of the simplest, most aerodynamic natures. It was bird flight. They called it the Condor. Um, It weighed 55 pounds. It looked amateurish, um, especially compared to all these unbelievably sleek models that all these other teams have have built and just made these amazing things. But over the course of just a few months, it was this, um, it was Gossamer Condor. It was like more than 200 flights that they made. Um, I mean, they they would fly and crash on the same day, sometimes, more times than their competitors would fly and crash in the whole lifetime of the plane. Wow. Because they could do it in a, it, they just literally, they crash and they'd go, oh, now we understand. And they'd like quick write down what they'd learned and, and figure it out. And then they'd experiment again. And all they do in between is they'd literally get tape out, stick it back together and they'd be gone. So within a few minutes, they would have their next test. Whereas in sometimes these other massive planes, these gorgeous things that have been built might take six months to go and try and take one more test and so this was the key so so um, it was the 223rd flight uh, when the condor completed the figure eight challenge won the first kramer prize two years later they would win the second prize and the gossamer albatross successfully crossed the english channel the brilliant insight uh, wasn't the advancement of some amazing you know flight insight it was simply Focusing on the elegance and sophistication of the aircraft was actually an impediment to progress. The ugly aircraft that could be crashed, repaired, redesigned was what really gave them the key uh, advantage. And so this is all within the principle of like, don't learn to do, do to learn. You want to make failure as cheap as possible. So that you can learn faster, and I just sort of summarise all of this: is it's like you've got to, it's like you've got to have the courage to be rubbish, Mm -hmm. so that you can make, you know, more mistakes but cheaply compared to your competitors. So that you are understanding the market faster, you're understanding where to put your investment quicker because you're learning faster than your competition.
1: And it also gives you the confidence to fail because failure is feedback, right? Failure is how you can make course corrections. It's how you can improve. Because if you never put yourself in a position to fail, you're never going to know what doesn't work. You're never going to bump into your zone of competence so that you can expand that a bit further. Is that what you're saying, Greg?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you if you are in a stable environment where you know pretty much how things are right now and pretty much how they're going to be in the future then you could do a potentially a very long you know a very long-term learning process but if you're in an environment that is that is volatile that is uncertain that's ambiguous then you ha- then then the, the your learning mechanism must be akin to that reality you know you wouldn't you wouldn't try to row, you know, like these, these amazing rowing teams that you have if you were in White Rapids. You A know, road team is exceptionally great, has, uh, works for that reality. But if you're in a different reality, you need a different response, a different way of working. And I mean, what is our current reality? What has the last year been? What can we extrapolate from that is likely to be the case for 2021. I mean, everybody, hey, 2021, it's going to be so great. We're going to turn the corner. It's going to be, yeah, but that's not how it actually is. We just have this enormous set of uncertainty still. And that doesn't seem, in my sense, to be going away at all. So we need a mechanism that helps to make action as effortless as possible in this reality.
1: This is such a powerful conversation, Greg. I've really enjoyed it. And I'm just super grateful for you taking time and for you being here. And I know that we could probably go on for hours and hours and hours. And I want to be really respectful of your time. Maybe we'll even have part two because I'm so excited about this book. I'm so excited about your work. I'm so excited about your beautiful mind and really being able <laughs> to dive into the crevices of that and your passion because I can feel your passion, you know, here. Uh, and 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 I, I really want to uh, be respectful of your time and dive into the rapid fire section of our conversation. Let's do it. We call the rare rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon. It's about making decisions. It's about you know asking yourself, hey what is the way for this to be easy, right? What is the easy path here? And, Mm. um, you know, sometimes that's a tough question to really step back and ask ourselves. But the first question that I have for you as, uh, being a great author yourself and and being such a, an admired writer, uh, I would imagine you're also a big book fanatic like myself. Uh, are there any books that have been very impactful for you over the past few years that you'd point to outside of your work? Um, yes,
0: I've, I've enjoyed um, reading fiction. Uh, um, Man Called uh, Uwe uh, is is a very interesting, well-written piece. I read Anna Karenina and really enjoyed that. Um, I've loved historical work. Um, um, uh, uh, John Adams uh, uh, biography by David McCullough um, I just called and spoke to David McCullough's wife just recently. David McCullough's not well now, but uh, loved talking with her and just thanking her for the, for, the, for the gift of, you know, her and of him. He's, he's been a tremendous, um, uh, tremendously impactful uh, for me. So yeah, those are some of the things that I've been reading.
1: That's awesome. And um, I love that because some of the people that I admire most uh, speak about reading fiction and how important that is. And not only just from mind development, but also creativity and learning and, you know, uh, really understanding deep truths as well. So we'll put links in the show notes of those books as well as, of course, Greg's books uh, on effortless and, uh, essentialism. And so, um, definitely excited about that. But aside from our discussion today, Greg, um, you know, what are the top two or three ways that you elevate your life on a daily basis?
0: Um, I mean, I, I mentioned one of them, this, um, uh, it started the pandemic going for a walk with my wife every hour uh, for an hour every day. And at first, at first it was a little tricky to do that. Um, you know, we weren't in a good flow about it. And I don't just mean the schedule of it. I mean, actually going out and walking and talking, we could get onto all sorts of sensitive subjects or be on a different, a different you know, different wavelengths or, but we just carried on with it. Um, and it's just become this totally essential practice uh, where we have space to, of course, reconnect. So that's great for marriage and unity and quality of life because, you know, relationships are, Uh, equal your quality of life um the but it's also been great just to have space to think uh and to talk and to dream and you know we don't neither is bring our phones not even to take pictures of things because we just want to actually have a moment outside of it and it's been i mean i i I think it's been the most valuable new practice uh that, that i've added in
1: the last year that's great, and I love just the thought of separating yourself from the phone to not be tempted to even get that out, and um, that's been really powerful for me in the bedroom is leaving that out of the bedroom, and I can't say that I'm perfect, uh, but it, it's just an energetic change, but thank you for sharing that, Greg. Uh, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you?
0: Well, something that um, that we've found as a family in the midst of uh, not, not COVID, although yes, COVID, uh, but... But particularly with Eve in this hall, um, the, the challenge that we went through with with her over the last two years has been has been just being this rule. After I complain, I will say something I am thankful for. Uh, that's good for good medicine for you as a person, but it's really good medicine for the people around you. When we complain we do it so thoughtlessly so habitually when I started this rule I couldn't I just couldn't believe how much I complained and I think of myself as a very positive person and forward looking and 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 hopeful optimistic all of those things and yet I found myself complaining so often when I was around other people and uh, if you say something you're thankful for, even if it isn't about them, it changes the mood. In fact, we have something even with our children just to illustrate this point that we'll, we'll say, you know, if it gets too, too too grumpy about whatever. Okay, give us three things you're thankful for. And I remember my son, Jack, saying, oh, okay, fine. I'm thankful that dad wants to play this silly game, you know, right? <laughs> right. So, so the attitude is all wrong about it, right? It, that, that, it doesn't matter gratitude is that powerful. I mean, by the time he's on number two and number three, he's laughing, we're laughing. We, it, it, gratitude is more powerful than people give it credit for. It's full of grit. It's full of, it's a tough, tough principle and it instantly changes. And so what I've learned from that practice is this simple idea, which is that if you focus on what you have, you will gain what you lack. And if you focus on what you lack you will lose what you have. So this is a a practice with a principle.
1: That is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. And I will stack on that just a bit because I actually completed a 21 day, no complaints, no sarcasm, no criticism challenge. And let me tell Um, you, I, when I say I completed it, I want to say that I miserably failed at it because like you, I thought that I was optimistic, you know, and obviously focusing on gratitude and all these things, but it is astounding once you bring the subconscious to the conscious in terms of criticisms, complaints, you know, sarcasm and all these things, how much that shows up. And so, the three were criticism, complaints, and, um, and sarcasm and sarcasm. Yes. 21 day yeah. challenge. No, uh, listen here. <laughs> 21 days is like
0: almost 21 days too long for that challenge. I know. I know. It's amazing. What we want is like a 21 minute challenge.
1: <laughs> right. Seriously.
0: And actually, I really kind of mean that. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't where I started. I love the idea. I wrote it down, but it's like 21 days. I don't know anybody who is going to go 21 days without criticizing, complaining, or being sarcastic. Literally, no. I never met anyone. No, Um, I got to think about that. I just was talking to a gentleman last night. His name's Lynn Harding. And he, he looked after his wife when she was so sick for so long. And I have never heard him complain about that. She's passed away now. And I talked to him last night and I've never heard him criticize anyone. I have never heard him complain and I have never heard him be sarcastic. That is really true. He can do the 21 day challenge. There you go. He can achieve this. <laughs> the rest of us mere mortals. We need to start the smaller thing. But it's a great, it's a great challenge, and I and I, I like it for me.
1: Yeah, I love that, and it's just something to work towards. But I love that you shared that it's about gratitude, right? It's about. You know, thinking through well, you know, what am I grateful for? Because when I'm thankful and when I think about all the great things that are going on in my life, I can set myself up to receive more. And it kind of goes back to that state we were talking about earlier, the effortless state. If you want to get into that state, I would imagine it has a lot to do with gratitude. Right. Yeah, that's that's one of the that's one of the chapters is specifically on how to get into the state.
0: And I think it's the fastest single thing you can do to be in an effortless state is. Is uh, is simply say something specific you're thankful for, but it, it 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 is the effect is instant. Yes. Now, of course, you can get pulled back into a criticism the next second, but in any two and a half second period, you can you can switch. Now has a measurement, and the now the measurement of now is two and a half seconds. Uh, psychologists have done these studies, and whatever we can get to that neuro neuroscientists and so on. But that's the it's two to three seconds is now. And that has great opportunity because it means whatever's happened to you in the past, however painful, however challenging, whatever mistakes you've made, whatever, everything, that's the past. In this next two to three seconds, you can change it. And if you can step into that with gratitude, you are instantly now in a new moment. You become, now comes from something new homo, I think what it's called. It's the new man, whole new being. Hmm. Now is this idea that you get a new chance in every second, and every two or three seconds. And uh, I think that's a perfect moment to to leave it on. It's a that,
1: that's delight exactly. to be with you. No, that's exactly right. And and it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor uh, to have you, Greg. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd share with Elevate Nation today?
0: Uh, I, I I just uh, really genuinely appreciate being here, and the people listening and watching being here because they're investing in 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 not just in themselves, but in creating and designing something uh, important uh, for, for the for for their future and people after them.
1: That's exactly right. And uh, I'm just extremely grateful to have had this opportunity to speak with you today, Greg. I really look forward to continuing the conversation. And I want to encourage Elevate Nation to check out Greg, gregmccown.com. And, um, you know, look him up on LinkedIn, look him up on Instagram, look him up on Twitter, we will put links in the show notes of where you can find Greg everywhere. And of course, find his book, Effortless, It is available on Amazon. It's available everywhere books are sold. And you'll definitely want to pick up Essentialism as well if you have not done already. But Greg, uh, I just really, really thank you for being here on the show today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Elevate Nation, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit
0: elevatepod.com.